So joining us right now is Kevin Lowry. He's the CFO, Chief Financial Officer at Rev Local, as well as the president of the board here at St. Gabriel. Kevin's also the author of How God Hauled Me Kicking and Screaming into the Catholic Church, as well as Faith at Work, Finding Purpose Beyond the Paycheck. Culture tells us a story full of hate, violence, pain, and suffering, all which end in death. But God cuts through the story with a new one, eternal life. And the Holy Spirit is accomplishing that in his church today's. And we're characters in that story. So, Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Let's paint a little picture of uh, the Lowry family growing up in the tundra of Canada. <laughs> all right. So, I'm picturing a cabin, you know, smoke billowing out of the out of the chimney, surrounded by snow, and a nice warm atmosphere inside the cabin. And all the Lowrys are gathered together, telling Lowry stories. <laughs> Uh, sort of. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah sort yeah. of like that. Who, who who were the storytellers in your family? Well, I think uh, I had a grandfather who was a wonderful storyteller. Uh, he was one of my heroes in life. He was uh, a, a physician and the head of the Workers' Compensation Board of Ontario for 30-plus years. Just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, and my parents in different ways. So I, I think I got a lot of really good stories from them over the course of time. Uh, and, and, you know, was, that was a big deal. When you heard these stories going back generations of, of, of the Lowry's, how did you become a part of the story then? How, how did they bring you in, into this Lowry history? Well, you know, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, my, my, Dad, as as you know, was a Presbyterian minister. Um, he had gotten—I mean, he had a wild story on his own. Um, he was uh, the last of six kids. His dad left uh, back when in the day when that was not a popular thing to do, and so my grandmother really had to scramble to try to provide for six six people. Um, my dad was carrying papers at, at age eight to try to help uh, support the family. So that there was really a lot of hardship and difficulty that they went through. But he used that as an impetus to, uh, you know, to do things in, the, in, in his life that really made a difference. You know, he, uh, he, he got through a, a doctoral program at MIT on, on scholarships. And um, he really overcame a lot of difficulties. He met the woman of his dreams when, you know, they got married when he was 25. And uh, a couple of years later, they had me. And uh, I think that that added lots of complications to their lives. So, you know, the, that, that story of, of the family of origin, I think, still resonates with me because there was a lot of, there was a lot of hardship. And when, when I was a kid, we weren't well off. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember just getting a bicycle was a pretty big deal when I was four or five years old. And we lived in a manse, which was next to the Presbyterian church. So we didn't own a home. Uh, it was provided by the church. And, and yet, you know, I had just this wonderful, idyllic childhood. Uh, the, uh, the, the scene that you were painting earlier with the little cabin and the smoke coming out of the chimney, that sounds a lot like the uh, cottage that we used to spend summers at that was owned by my grandfather. Mm. 
So uh, there, there were a lot of really good times, but it, there was all, always this, uh, you know, the, this sense of there are challenges to overcome. Uh, so, you know, by the grace of God, that sort of led into my own story about, uh, you know, we talk about Amanda spending time at Franciscan U. That's, that's where I went when I was 16 years old and I was way too young and, and way too adventurous at that point in time. But through that, and, and of course, part of the punchline, if, if you haven't read my book, is that I got kicked out within three semesters. Um, but that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. So they were merciful to stretch it out to three semesters. Well, they were, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably should have caught on after one or two. But, uh, you know, it, it was really a good thing in the end because it led to our entire family coming into the Catholic Church. Uh, first, my, my wife and I, I met my wife the second time around at Franciscan, and she's just wonderful. You know, she's just, I, I just have the most awesome wife. And we have eight kids as a result of that whole thing. I mean, we wouldn't have done that. We talked when we, before. We were, we were uh, not Catholic for the first three or so years of our marriage, and we talked about having the typical 1.8 kids. And it, it, it just, you know, the Lord just had different things in mind for us. And thanks be to God, you know, because that means that later, you know, we've been married 34 years. We've still got a 16-year-old at home, and, and, and life is good. It hasn't been easy, mm-hmm. you know, but it's been so good. And that's why I love what you guys are talking about today, storytelling, because storytelling matters. You know, if you think about the way that Jesus taught, Jesus taught us through parables, you know, I remember when I was writing my first book and I thought, I, I, it just struck me. That's the way that Jesus taught. And I thought, there's no way I can improve on that. That's the way also to write a book. So in, in both my books, I've just told stories mm-hmm. that, that, of course, illustrate a point. But if you think about the way that Jesus taught with parables and some of those stories, think about just, just one. Think about the story of the prodigal son. You know, just consider that for a little bit, how it's, it's almost this eternal story that you can look at so many times, and you can look at it from different angles, and you can focus on the son, or you can focus on the older brother, or you can focus on the father. Or, you know, there's all these different angles and elements to it. And that story is so powerful. But, the, you know, the thing that, that resonates with me is when you talk, you guys talk about evangelization, evangelization is about telling our story. Right. Because if I remember my dad, when, when we were in the midst of converting, he said, go find a church where people are allowing themselves to be transformed by the gospel. And as it turned out, that's the Catholic church, you know, and if the, if the faith has changed you. You have a story to tell. And that story is yours, it's personal, and it and it it's inspirational to other people. It can help transmit the gospel in the most authentic way possible. Now, your family obviously was a faithful family. Yes, saturated by the gospel. Do you remember when it kind of clicked for you that the story of salvation is personal for you? Because yeah. I, I would imagine, I mean, you, you, you grow up hearing all, all these stories, the, right. the Bible stories. Sure, yeah. And 
what when was that moment then it's like okay wait a minute i'm a part of the story or yeah. you read the parable of of the prodigal son i'm in this story yeah do you yeah. remember something like that happening i i do and it's kind of funny that you ask that he's I'm, i need to talk to a man here he's asking very insightful questions Amanda. It's a good question yeah okay so you know <laughs> making it a little bit tougher but that's okay let me let me see if i can rise to this occasion so i would tell you that it's it's very interesting dave because at the beginning throughout my childhood it was really sort of a, a, a me and jesus type of approach not you know not completely but there was just a, a real emphasis on that personal relationship that's not bad it's just that it's it's incomplete and so when that light bulb really went on above my head was when i started praying the rosary hmm. as a presbyterian which is, you know, if you got to be careful oh if you God. do stuff like that, because frankly, you know, I mean, I, I remember seeing a, a dear friend of mine, file, Father uh, Giles Dimmick, a, a OP, and uh, at my graduation at Franciscan, I showed him this rosary. I said, hey, Father, I started praying this rosary. He said, oh, you're a goner. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And indeed I was in the, in the best way possible. But it was really, I think, through praying the rosary that that there was, there was almost a 10-year intellectual conversion but in praying the rosary there was what i would say was probably a two or three week spiritual conversion where just everything the frame of reference changed and all of a sudden i wanted to learn everything that i could about salvation history about the church about the you know the the different you know the the, the tools in the catholic toolbox that i didn't even know existed and so there's been this richness and this beauty that I was introduced to that it's, and you just want to dive headlong into it and, and just saturate yourself with it because it's so rich. And little did I know at the time, it, it was preparation. I didn't know that I needed to be Catholic at that point, but it was preparation for some of the, the struggles and the challenges that were part of my own journey and my, my own family's journey in, in a, a really good way, because it's, it's sort of like going to confession, right? There's this objective ability to get your sins forgiven, which is just an incredible, beautiful thing. But there's also, it recognizes human nature because there's also an emotional benefit. You know, you go in there and you just feel heavy because you have this burden on your back and you come out and it's been taken off. And so that, that there's a little bit of a parallel there. You're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe. Joining us in the cafe is Kevin Lowry. I'm Dave Worsborn with Amanda Miller. All Things Are Made New is, is, is the verse that came to mind. So you're, you're steeped in scripture. Now you're praying the rosary. Did that lead you like to looking? Did your perspective shift? Did, did you start to see, okay, here here's the church in all these verses that, you know, I've read over and over again up to this point. You're probably in your 20s, yeah, right? Yeah. So so now you have a new lens. You're, right. you're looking at Scripture as a Catholic. Right. right. Even though you hadn't officially become a Catholic. Yeah, yet. and there were people like, um, you know, Marcus Grodi, who, who is actually one of my best friends in the world. He's like the older brother I never had, and I've been on his board or on, on staff with Marcus for, you know, over 20 years now. 
he was very influential in some ways. In uh, he had this this talk that he gave years ago called "The Verses I Never Saw," mm. and it was really sort of looking at them through this new lens. But there were, you know, so yes, there was a sort of awakening. But at the same time, I, I had practical impediments. You know, I had a wife who wasn't Catholic either, and so it was really sort of the beginning of a journey because. I've had people say, oh, well, you know, converts are, are really good Catholics. And, and I say, well, yeah, but, you know, converts, it takes us a long time to absorb the culture of the church and a lot of the nuances that are baked into cradle Catholics. So we really need both, right? Because I was so fed by cradle Catholics and, and people who had just been steeped in the faith their entire lives. And so it was really the beginning of an exciting journey where it wasn't necessarily overnight that everything changed. It took time, but it was, it was, you know, just like the St. Gabriel cafe. It was like, you know, this is day one. And, and that was day one for me. And it just kept getting better (laughs) over the course of time and was, and has been, you know, utterly transformative. Day one. Day one. What excited you the most about day two? So, so you you know you, you all this you're looking at things that may have been black and white or shades of gray, and now bursting with color. Do you remember anything about? I really want to learn this next, or this is what I want to experience next. Yeah, I just I, I wanted to learn. A lot very quickly and I'll never forget um, there, there was uh, a, a tape which dates dates me a little bit uh, called Protestant minister becomes Catholic it was Scott Hahn's first tape a track and uh, yeah no it was cassette at least real to real yeah Amanda doesn't know what that is we'll have to explain it to her after after the program but there you know it was it was a recording of his conversion and this was before Scott was you know a well-known theologian that, that he's become but uh, I called him and I said, you know, can we get together, please? And so we, we went down uh, and got together with, with he and his wife. And I think they had, you know, three or four kids at the time. And he, he wrote me what I thought at the time reminded me of like a doctor writing a prescription. You know, he took out a pad of paper and he starts writing out these different books that I needed to read. So I read Catholic and, and Christian by Dr. Alan Shrek, yeah. which is just a wonderful book. Yeah. And there were some other ones. I think, I think Carl Keating's, you know, Catholicism and fundamentalism and, and, you know, just some of the, the really seminal books of, of the apologetics movement. And I just remember thinking, this is so awesome. I want to learn as much as I can. But at the same time, I needed to be a little circumspect because I had, again, I had a wife who wasn't quite there. And so, but what it did was it, it led to conversations that were ultimately extremely fruitful because when I came into the church, I didn't know up until Easter vigil whether she was going to join me. Mm. And she did, by the grace of God. So, it, you know, it, it's just, it's, and it's, it just keeps getting better. Just keeps getting better. We have about one more minute, two minutes. No, we'll we'll say two minutes here with you. We're going to play a little game with you, though. Okay. Okay. Amanda's going to ask you a question. We get to go deeper 
into Kevin Lowry's no, head. She gets to ask the insightful <laughs> questions. Okay, yeah, Kevin, let's go. Pick a number one through five. I was going to say seven, but okay. That's what? the question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three. Three. Okay, here we go. Your favorite biblical event. Favorite biblical event. Wow, that's a. I mean, how can you pick? It's a hard one, right? <laughs> that's a really hard one. Um, favorite biblical event. There, you know what? I okay. I can't pick an event, but I will tell you my favorite scripture verse. Oh, yeah. Is that is that good? Yeah. Romans five, three through five, and depending on the interpretation, it says joy in tribulations. For tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance true character, and true character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the Spirit of God has been poured out into our hearts. And to me, it's it just sort of encapsulates the fact that we can't anticipate that the journey is going to be easy. It's not. But being Catholic and, and having that be the context for our stories helps it to make it meaningful and helps to give it eternal value. Does that count? Is that a, is, amen, amen. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. And and I'm so grateful that you guys are doing this. Just keep going. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be exciting. Thank you, Kevin. It Thank is you. exciting. Thank you, brother.